You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show. The place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. If you want to get more out of being an IU basketball fan, then make sure you're subscribed to our email newsletter. Go to assemblycall.com slash join today and sign up for free. That's assemblycall.com slash join. This episode of the Assembly Call is brought to you by Crane Credit Union. Get a $150 deposit into your new Crane Credit Union checking account when you get e-statements, have direct deposit, and use your debit card. Plus, there's no monthly service charges and no minimum balance to open your account. Stop into any of Crane Credit Union's 14 locations or visit their website at cranecu.org for more information. That's cranecu.org. Crane Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. And now, get ready for another brand new edition of Assembly Call Radio. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio. This is episode number 314 of Assembly Call, of the Assembly Call, and it is episode number 24 of Assembly Call Radio, recorded on the evening of Thursday, April 20th, 2017. Well, the Hoosiers received good news this week when the third member of the 2017 recruiting class, Clifton Moore, decided to reaffirm his commitment to Indiana, meaning that all three incoming recruits are sticking with the Hoosiers. And while this class falls outside of most analysts' top 25, it's still a great sign that Archie Miller, in short order, was able to build a relationship with each player and his family and sell them on the program that he's hoping to build at IU because the recruiting stakes are about to go up. More on that in just a second in this week's Banner Moment. I'm Jared Morris, your host for Assembly Call Radio, where every week we break down the most important IU basketball stories from the past seven days. You can find us right here every week during the offseason. And of course, once the season starts, you can catch us immediately after every IU basketball game on the Assembly Call IU postgame show. You can watch us live at assemblycall.com or on YouTube Live, or hopefully, if everything goes well, on Facebook Live as well. And if you can't catch one of our shows live, no worries. Just search for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, YouTube, SoundCloud, and more. You will find us in all of those locations. All righty, well, let's begin how we always begin, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. You know, this weekend marks the time of year when recruiting takes center stage, at least until guys like Thomas Bryant, James Blackman Jr., and Robert Johnson start announcing their final stay-or-go decisions. And over the course of the last week, Indiana fans received some pretty encouraging news on the recruiting trail. The two biggest stories were, number one, Indiana offering a scholarship to Fort Wayne's Keon Brooks, a five-star talent in the class of 2019, And then number two, Archie Miller having by what all accounts was a positive chat with class of 2018 Uber scorer Romeo Langford from New Albany. Now, do the Hoosiers have a realistic shot at landing either guy? Time will tell. Brooks certainly seems more likely given the extra year that Archie has to develop a relationship with him, plus the existing relationship between Brooks' father and new IU assistant Ed Schilling. Uh, Brooks' father played for Schilling at Wright State. And Romeo Langford, on the other hand, has been hearing from the likes of Duke, Kentucky, and Louisville for a long time, with Indiana not really on the radar until just recently. So Archie Miller has some catching up to do. 
But legitimate interest and positive conversations are the first steps. Both players project to be the type of supreme talents around which deep NCAA tournament runs can be built. Plus, the commitment of one or both would be a huge signal that Archie Miller is ready to lock down the borders of the Hoosier State. So if you're looking for an encouraging sign that Indiana is on a path to hang another banner, look no further than the renewed interest of these two big-time home state recruits. All right, and now let me introduce my esteemed co-host to my left. Ladies and gentlemen, he's back. He's a world-renowned bracketologist, the nervous, fingernail-chomping president of the Robert Johnson Fan Club, and a shoe-in for the IU data analytics job, should he choose to apply. He is Andy Bottoms. Andy, welcome back. What was your Bottoms line from the past week in IU basketball? Yeah, it actually doesn't feel like I've been gone that long, but a lot has uh, a lot has happened for sure, and and I think we would say universally positive things have, have gone on. I mean, since we uh, last talked, the staff has really come and, and been put into place. Uh, Miller's already started to make headway on the recruiting trail and, and even the upcoming season's roster, while there's still some uh, questions about that, it's starting to take shape. And I think people are able to, to form a little bit of an idea of, of the personnel. And I think as uh, we get further into to learning more about Archie, as, as most of us have done over these past few weeks, uh, can at least start to envision what they might look like on the court. So it's a, it's a pretty exciting time for, uh, you know, mid to, to late April. Uh, at this stage of things. So you, you can't ask for more than that. I think the problem is going to be people not being able to wait until uh, the season actually gets started. You know, pretty soon the roster will be solidified after uh, those guys make their decisions and the uh, and the really long part of the offseason uh, will come into play. I think all the excitement around the coaching change and all the uh, associated uh, moves that have gone on with that have kind of uh, kept the season going a little bit, certainly for us, uh, for you more specifically, from a, a content standpoint, have uh, have really kind of extended that part, which has been great. And uh, and now I think, uh, unfortunately, while that seems like that should shorten the the true off season, we'll probably make it feel a little bit longer just with the anticipation of uh, what things are going to look like. But uh, certainly an exciting time. And uh, and like I said, I don't think anybody uh, could find too much negative to say about all the uh, all the things that have gone on here uh, over the last week, but just really the last you know month or so in general. Yep. And to my right, broadcasting from an undisclosed location that might literally be a stone's throw from where Romeo Langford is right this very second, <laughs> we have Big Easy Zach McCrite, which means it's time for McCrite's Minute. The floor is yours, Zach. I would have to know where he lives, but uh, it could be. It could very well be, that's for sure. Um, no, I think just for me, I have been intrigued by the difference, the seemingly different approach that Archie Miller has to recruiting so far compared to uh, the man who preceded him as the head coach at IU. Um, I feel like for, and, and people can correct, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. I, and, and, and just up front, I will say I am not as deep into the recruiting stuff as uh, I know a lot of people are. Um, so if I get any of this wrong, feel free to correct me, but I don't think that Tom Crean was ever really talking to a guy like Keon, even Keon Brooks. And, and I mean, I know he was talking to Romeo Langford. Maybe he was talking to Brooks a little bit. It just didn't seem like those vibes were as serious. Um, and, and this is where I think IU fans should maybe take a step back. And, and believe me, I, I'm the last person who wants to take a step back right now. Um, Cause it feels like the train's rolling, you know, but we all feel good when we're zero and zero. Um, but we're, I just don't want to get caught up in the, man, we're excited because it's new. Get excited because it's new. 
Just don't get too excited. Maybe Tom Crean was going after these guys. We just knew that Tom Crean was never going to have a shot. And so we just said, eh, you know, well, well, who else are we getting? Who else can we get? And now with Archie Miller, we see a new face. We see a new guy. We were, we, we get caught up in the, um, in the hope that comes with having a new coach and a brand new outlook on things. And we're like, yeah, Romeo, let's go. And Keon Brooks, come on to Bloomington. And may, I don't know if he, I don't know if he's out of his league. I'd like to think he's not, but I don't know. I would have liked to have think Tom cream wasn't out of his league either, but I felt like we all thought that was the case for sure. So, um, I love that he's going after the big fish and I just don't want people to get disappointed. If the first couple say no, if they say yes, Archie can get an extension without playing a game. (laughs) But, um, but until then, all I'm saying is continue to be excited, but eventually this train's going to slow down just a little bit and don't get too upset, I guess is my, my point. And maybe let's let's be careful with the with the real early long extensions. You know, let's some, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Some, let's That's learn, true. No, learn, fair learn, enough. Learn from the past. Learn from the past. Fair right, enough. Well, we have a packed show for you this week on Assembly Call Radio. In our next segment, we're going to go through some headlines. So we're going to talk through the most important headlines from the past week, including a glowing scouting report on Clifton Moore and a decision the NCAA is pondering that would have a huge impact on the college basketball schedule. We also have a Q and A coming for you. You sent us questions via Twitter, and we're excited to answer answer them Uh, and then in our last segment we'll do another player breakdown and we will talk about Colin Hartman all of that on this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio first real quick I want to let you know about a very important step that you should take right now if you are truly serious about your IU basketball and we know that you are because you're listening to this right now here's the step go to assemblycall.com slash join and activate your free membership to the Assembly Call By doing so, you get content that only our members get to see. For example, we write up an in-depth analysis of each IU game and send it out via email the morning after every IU game. You have to be a member to get it. We don't post this on our blog. And during the offseason, we keep you up to date on the latest IU basketball news with our weekly Six Banner Saturday News Roundup, plus the moderated live chat that accompanies our live broadcasts over at assemblycall.com slash live. That is only for members. So go to assemblycall.com slash join and activate your free membership today. You pay nothing. You just get more. Assemblycall.com slash join. You are listening to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Zach McCrite. And Andy, you know, obviously you haven't been here in a couple of weeks, so I want to get your thoughts, you know, just on some of what we've seen with guys coming and going and how you think that affects the Big Ten race for next year. Obviously, Miles Bridges has decided to stay, and that would seem to make Michigan State the prohibitive favorite in the Big Ten. Uh, As you start to look at this, and obviously part of this for Indiana is going to be based on what Thomas Bryant and James Blackman Jr. and, of course, your boy Robert Johnson decide to do, but how are you kind of starting to see Indiana stack up in the Big Ten, and what do you think are going to be reasonable expectations for the Hoosiers um, yeah, you know, obviously taking into account some of the uncertainty with these NBA decisions that still have to be made. Yeah, I mean, there's still a couple big ones. I think, uh, you know, the two Michigan big guys probably among the, the Big Ten outside of the IU guys, uh, and, and I guess Swanigan, although I, I tend to think he, he won't be back. I don't believe he's officially hired an agent yet, but I would be kind of surprised if he was back. So, I mean, I think you look, you know, Michigan State, I think, is where you'd have to start uh, at this point. You know, they had a, a highly regarded recruiting class last year. Uh, Bridges and Ward, I would say, lived up to that 
and uh, and you know now they get Jaron Jackson, who's uh, another another guy who's really highly touted and and you know can play. I think some different lineups as, as you go through them. So I think they're one that you'd certainly look at at the top. Um, Minnesota uh, would be another one. Didn't really lose much of anybody uh, from last year, a team that surprised people. They're obviously not going to sneak up on anybody anymore, but uh, I, I think they'd be uh, one to watch. Um, you know, w- Wisconsin, you could look and say, it doesn't seem like they should be good. I think we've probably all learned our lesson about that. Uh, as long as Ethan Happ is allowed to, you know, catch the ball in the paint, travel every time he touches it, as Ryan and I would say, and uh, <laughs> and just do whatever he wants, then I think they're still going to be good. I think Purdue, um, you know, potentially even, you know, if Swanigan does leave, I still think they've got some interesting pieces there. So I think you could, um, you could see IU kind of work their way into that, you know, top five uh, type area. I, I would imagine. Um, you know, again, probably depends a little bit on on the the unknown guys of who would come back or if all of them would leave. You know, maybe that's a different story. But uh, I think IU's going to stack up relatively well. Certainly, wouldn't probably put them in the top three, maybe. But um, you know, some of that is it's it's one of those where I feel like uh, those of us who follow IU football have done this before, where you get in the like, oh, well, they got everybody back, and it's like, well, you have everybody back from a defense that was terrible. Now, this was a couple years ago, obviously not last season's defense, but. You know, you get into this like, well, they got 10 starters back on defense. I'm like, well, they ranked 109th in the country in defense, so it's not really that exciting. So um, I think the fact that you've got, you know, hopefully the attention to defense and, and turnovers and all those kinds of things that we, you know, beat into the ground and then, uh, you know, beat them a little bit more uh, last season, I think we can, you know, at least project forward that those things are going to get better under uh, under Coach Miller and, and go from there. So I think I used shaped up not too badly. I certainly wouldn't put them in that very, very top tier. Um, but I think you could certainly tell yourself a story that would allow them to get there if everything uh, breaks their way once the season gets started. By the way, Andy's rant against Ethan Happ traveling was sponsored by Ryan Phillips. You can support him at Rumors and Rants on Twitter. <laughs> All righty. So coming up on the assembly call, we're going to discuss Clifton Moore, a huge possible change by the NCAA uh, that could be coming, and much, much more in our headline segment. Stick with us. Your game, uh, as you start thinking about, you know, building those relationships with kids, which obviously, you know, he's uh, potentially behind. I obviously he's, you know, watched a lot of these kids um, that will be coming up in the coming years. But I think um, that that's something to me that will take a little bit of time. I think certainly with the resources and the, and everything that he has at his disposal, that will help. Um, But that, that's something that of the things that you mentioned, I think takes a little bit of time scheduling. I think we'll start to see an uptick. Some of these agreements, uh, you know, are, are more than a year or two. Um, you know, I think we're contractually obligated to play Mississippi Valley State every year between now and the year 2025. So, um, you know, just an homage to Jerry Rice, really, I, I think. Um, so and Jeremiah well, April and Jeremiah <laughs> April. Oh, yeah. What is he? Does he go there now? No, the turnaround jumper. It happened against oh. Mississippi Valley State. Don't forget the greatest oh. moment of the Tom Crean era. <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't possibly. Uh, I did not remember the opponent. Um, anyway, so now that you've thrown me off. I'm Sorry completely. to derail no, the so show. I think, so yeah, that's okay. So, I, so anyway, I think some of those will will be easier to see sooner than others. I guess is is how I would leave that. Uh, Ryan, I mean, of all those things, you know, that he's talked about that have just really caught the attention of IU fans. Which one do you think is going to be the the most difficult, or the one that IU fans need to be the most patient with? Well, I, I think I agree with Andy that I think recruiting is going to take a little bit of time because a lot of these kids you start recruiting them when they're freshmen, sophomores. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I think that. 
I've, I've heard from several coaches in the state uh, just over the last few days via text, and, and they love the guy. I mean, AAU coaches, uh, high school coaches in Indiana love this guy, and, and, they all, and they have for a long time. Now, the top-rated kids weren't going to go to Dayton, uh, but you put him at Indiana, and you, know, you put him in a position where he can connect with those kids and be no-nonsense and, and not be a car salesman and not be you know, trying to sell them on, on ideas that, that don't exist and, and you know, try and pump them up, but actually be real with them. And coaches appreciate that. So I think that's going to be quicker than uh, we think. I do think I agree with Andy. I think the defense is going to come next year because I think he's a guy who, if you don't play defense, you're sitting on the bench. Um, I, I don't think there is any coddling with that. So uh, I, I think the both of those things could come quicker than people think. But again, anytime a coach in his first year, you got to be patient with him. You got to let him put his system. And then sometimes it takes time to get his players or the kind of players that fit that system in. Okay, well, you know, you mentioned next year, and you mentioned the potential defensive improvement next year. So let's talk about that, and let's talk about that coming up on the assembly call. What the roster is starting to shape up to be as we look toward next season. That's next. Stick with us here on Assembly Call Radio. You're listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here talking IU hoops with Andy Bottoms and Zach McCright. All right, well, it is time for a new segment, Headlines. And we are going to go through and discuss the three biggest headlines from the week in Indiana basketball. Uh, we already talked about a couple of them that I would have included in here, and that is the, the meetings that Archie Miller had with Keon Brooks and Romeo Langford. Uh, so those are certainly big headlines. But these three headlines are big, too. And the first headline, and this happened shortly after uh, we uh, shortly after last week's episode of Assembly Call Radio, but Clifton Moore recommitted to Indiana. And this was obviously huge for a number of reasons, but it meant that the entire 2017 class was recommitting. And Clifton Moore, a guy who was basically off the recruiting radar, is now a top 100 player. I think it was a scouts rating that had him at 100, Justin Smith at 92. So no big headliner coming in, but you've still got two top 100 players. That's good. You know, Archie Miller wasn't recruiting a whole lot of top 100 talent at Dayton, so he has to be pretty excited about that. But what got me excited this week was this write-up that Draft Express did. They were at the Jordan Brand uh, Classic uh, that Clifton Moore played in, and he was one of the guys that stood out to them. And so this comes from Draft Express talking about Clifton Moore. Quote, the Indiana signee stood out as the most interesting long-term prospect in the Jordan Brand Classic regional game. At 6'10", he has the size and length to play some five down the road once he fills out and the agility to play the four. It's hard to find bigs with Moore's tools and shooting potential, which is likely the key to unlocking his long-term upside. Given the nature of the game, we weren't able to get an extended look at Moore's defensive intensity and decision-making, but we were able to identify him as an NBA prospect worth tracking. Moore elected to remain committed to Indiana despite the coaching change and is a major building block for Archie Miller and his staff moving forward. So obviously that is something very positive to hear. And what will be interesting is how Clifton Moore fits in with what Archie Miller wants to do, because it was pretty clear to see how Clifton would fit in in Tom Crean's system, you know, where bigs are given a lot of leeway to step out. We saw Thomas Bryant do that. Obviously, we saw a guy like Christian Watford uh, who was able to do that and play more on the perimeter. What kind of low post game is Clifton going to have? Is he going to be able to defend down low? Will he be rugged enough and strong enough? I think those are all the questions that he's going to have to answer over the next few years. But what's undeniable is the offensive potential 
potential that he has. And I think that's why so many Indiana fans are excited about him and, and excited about his potential um, as a Hoosier. So obviously, uh, very positive news there from Clifton Moore. And we're going to talk a little bit more about him in our next segment because we had a question come in about Clifton Moore and who he reminds us of. And so we're going to kick around a few ideas for that in our next segment. But let's move on now to headline number two. We need some cool sound effects to kind of go as we transition. Hey, I, I, I tell you what, can let me say something real quick, uh, if you don't mind, Jared, yeah, about in. that Clifton Moore. Um, and I, again, I, I'm not sure about his play and how good, and you know, I'll take Draft Express's word for it. I think they're probably, um, you know, the foremost authority when it comes to this stuff, or at least way up there. But I want to kind of look at it from the Thomas Bryant angle, um, assuming that they play pretty much the same position. Um, I was always under the assumption, and and let me know if you guys felt the same way, that Thomas Bryant, while he's going to test the waters in the NBA and do so without an agent, that eventually he was going to come back until right around this game was played. And now uh, for all, all of a sudden for the first time, really, uh, you know, and, and maybe I'm overdoing it and c- call me out if I am, but now it's like, well, maybe he is going to sign with an agent and maybe he is going to stay in the NBA. a lot more chatter in that direction and we'll put it that and way. I, yeah. And I wonder if it's got anything to do with Clifton Moore or if it's just uh, probably I just, I can't imagine. I, I mean, I, you know, Thomas Bryant, I mean, he's got skins on the wall, you know, he's been here for a couple of years. I mean, I, I would think if he wanted to come back, his spot would, would, you would assume be assured. So without having any inside knowledge, I don't know. The timing certainly seems a little coincidental perhaps, but um, yeah, I, I think the interesting thing with that might be when we start thinking about, you know, lineups featuring two big guys, you everybody kind of wanted to see more of that last year with Davis and Bryant playing together, but defensively it was, it was close to a non-starter at that point. And and I wonder, and I wonder whether, and I know what you just read, so they didn't get a chance to look at him, but when you kind of watch some of the videos of of Moore, he certainly seems to be fairly agile in that regard. And so maybe you could have a, a scenario where, you know, Duran is your is your your post player, and and you could play two big guys without, you know. So you're not giving up a ton of size, but I think you've got a, a skill level and and a skill set that, uh, you know, could fit well and maybe a little bit better than what we saw when they tried to play two big guys a year ago. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. It's going to be an interesting story to watch develop, and it'll be interesting to see how ready Clifton is to play right away. You know, because again, he's a guy who came from off the radar to a top 100 recruit and physically I think he's got a long way to go motor wise he may you know kind of have some work to do but the talent is there and it's quite tantalizing for what he could become and I think he has the highest ceiling of this incoming recruiting class which is another reason to be excited about him all right Andy let's go to headline number two the NCAA is discussing a uniform start date for the season which would be the Tuesday before the second Friday of November. This comes directly from NCAA.org. Uh, this would be three days earlier than the current start date. Committee members also discuss standardizing the playing season to 21 weeks with a mandatory three- or four-day break for the student-athletes at some point during their school's winter vacation period. The men's college basketball community has been discussing the possibility of establishing a uniform start date for the sport. Many believe it can create a less compressed schedule, particularly for non-conference games, which they believe would benefit student-athlete well-being by providing more time for rest and recovery. A midweek start date could also create additional attention and excitement at the beginning of the season. Are you in favor of this? 
Yeah, I am. I mean, I'm going to focus more on the second part of the like student athlete well-being stuff. I, you know, I very few many decisions are framed in such a manner, but very few uh, actually have that at the root of the motivation. So I'm not I'm just not even going to touch that any, any more than I just did. But, You're so cynical, Bottoms. So cynical. I, well, it's just so true, though. Um, so you uh, I think. You know, one of the things, you know, college basketball, like it or not, for, for IU fans and, and people who really, you know, live and breathe it like me, you wouldn't say this. But for most people, it's kind of a niche sport. And the way things typically work today, I mean, last year, you know, you had it started on Friday, I think on, on Veterans Day, you know, IU played Kansas. That was a relatively big game, but it's a Friday night. You're not, not necessarily, certainly during the season, it's not a prime night for college basketball. So I do think um, trying to start it in the middle of a week, um, you're not going to compete with college football. You're not going to compete with the NFL starting on the weekend. So give yourself a little bit of a run up to, um, to the season. I still think there are challenges with getting people to really follow the sport. Um, that that starts when you're in you know baseball playoff season you're in or i guess that that's about over although anymore that that runs pretty pretty long um you know in the nfl and college football i think those are, are difficult things to do but i think anything to me that generates more excitement about the sport uh is fine i think the winter break thing is is probably overblown most schools are taking time off over that time anyway those are are light weeks uh, in the college basketball schedule. And even when teams do play, there are very few actually quality games during that, that period of time. But um, yeah, I mean, I like the, you know, kind of, some kind of build up an opening day, uh, uh, whatever you want to call it. I think that part can only be good for a game that I love, but not as many other people view, particularly early in the season as kind of appointment television and looking at things like that. College basketball needs more post game shows. That's <laughs> I think that could yeah. be the key. Zach, what do you think? Yeah. What do you think of no, it? Man, why don't you keep, you need to keep the real estate on that, man. Don't be sharing that real estate. You need, <laughs> you need to keep that. Um, I, I am obviously I'm in favor for, of it. Um, I, I think it's a plus for everyone. I really don't see the downside at all. I mean, the opening day sort of project, and I know we kind of have a quasi opening day with the 24 hours of madness that they do, although it's not right at the beginning of the season. Maybe if they wanted to push that to the beginning of the, the very first day, maybe that would be something, you know, you have a game at midnight, you know, in, in Hawaii and, and you're off to the races or something like that. Um, I think that would be very cool. And th- the more you spread out the season, the more television opportunities for really everyone. And I think the further you go down the list of, uh, of big conference teams into mid majors, et cetera, et cetera, the more you would want the opportunity to be the season uh, to have the season a little bit more spread out and um, and have those television opportunities. And for the fan, uh, you know, more, more chances to watch different teams on television. I'll take that too. So I don't, I really don't see the downside if, if we can hey, make college basketball year round. I mean, you know, but uh, no, I'm, I'm down. Let's do it. You know, as our buddy Eli Hoosier points out in the chat, uh, shouldn't it be Wednesday instead of Tuesday? Cause most years, isn't that going to compete with election day? If it's the first Ooh. Tuesday before the second Friday, so that that could be a bit of. An I issue. guess so. I thought he was worried about Maction in football. Maction usually uh, really it really That's heats right. up around that time frame. That's so, true. yeah, you don't got to stay away from when Toledo and Bowling Green get together. You don't want to. You don't want to be competing against that. <laughs> All right, you're listening to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Zach McCrite. We're going through some of the biggest headlines in the world of IU basketball. Uh, and this next headline is bigger than IU basketball. This is actually uh, a story that broke uh, on Thursday about a new IU athletic policy. And that policy is to ban athletes with a history of sexual abuse or domestic violence. So this is from the Indianapolis Star article uh, on the new policy, which was announced 
by Fred Glass. Indiana Athletics has enacted a policy disqualifying its programs from adding any athlete with a history of sexual or domestic violence. The policy bans, quote, any prospective student athlete, whether a transfer student, incoming freshman, or other status who has been convicted of or pleaded guilty or no contest to a felony involving sexual violence. It further defines sexual violence as dating violence, domestic violence, rape, sexual assault, or sexual violence as defined by the Indiana University policy on sexual misconduct. Uh, and this is something I think uh, uh, maybe the SEC has a policy somewhat like this. The Big Ten has decided to leave it up to the schools, and Indiana, you know, is at the forefront of taking a very tough stand on this. I applaud Fred Glass for doing this. Uh, Zach, your thoughts on the new policy? I look. I this is going to come out the wrong way, and please, for all of those people who are consuming me and this terrible face and this terrible voice for the first time. Um, please don't take it out on me too hard, but I'll give it a golf clap. But I feel like this, especially the way it was written, I feel like this is, this should be the case. You know I mean? It's like, I, first off, it, it, it's only if it's a felony, you know, well, yeah. I mean, if, if people are committing felonies when it comes to, uh, sexual violence, of of course, you of course you don't want them on, on your campus. It, it it shouldn't be put in in fine print anywhere for you to have that sort of stance. Um, that being said, I don't want I don't want it to come off as I, I don't agree with it. Of course, I agree with it. I, I, it was just for me. For you me think to it should be the norm eyes, more than for, like this this like the, every school should just do this automatically. If we're talking felony as the as the threshold, yeah, okay. Now, if you if you really you really would have opened my eyes if you would have gone, you know, if 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 it's less than a felony, if you if if you are even, we we will take it on a case by case basis. But even if you're not convicted, we will take a look at this and we will decide by ourselves whether you deserve to be on this campus. Now I'm really getting involved and I'm really seeing. Okay, now they're they're really serious about this. But if you're talking about a sexual violence felony, that you shouldn't need that in writing. Every school around the country should have that kid off the campus. That's just me. I'm, I love it. I, golf clap for Fred Glass for sure. But um, but the harsher we get with these sort of penalties the bigger the thumbs up for me. Yeah, I agree. And the reality is these policies aren't all over the place. And schools That's like right. Baylor have certainly had no problem, you know, taking these guys in. Now, they're, you know, they, their program has obviously fallen apart because of that and because of many other things that they chose to do in response to what happened. Um, but I, I'm glad Indiana did this. And I also appreciate that there is an appellate process uh, which I think is important in cases like this, but the appellate process is heard by people outside of the athletic department, which I think is very important. So I just think I think the way that it was set up was smart. Uh, I think it's obviously a good thing. So uh, I think they don't want to be Baylor. This is yeah. in, this is in direct response to what happened in Waco uh, for sure, and and to get it in writing is something you absolutely want. Like you said, an appellate process, perfect. Uh, now I, I wouldn't mind. I mean, like I said, golf clap, but I wouldn't mind if we get even, even a little harsher than this. Yep. All righty. Well, coming up, we are going to turn our attention to your questions because you asked and we're going to answer. We got a bunch of questions from you. That's next on the assembly call. Stay with us.
You're listening to the Assembly Call. Remember to go to assemblycall.com slash join to activate your free membership. You'll get our weekly Six Banner Saturday News Roundup, plus our world-renowned post-game analysis emails featuring analysis from Andy Bottoms the morning after every IU game. You have to be a member to get those emails. Again, the URL is assemblycall.com slash join. I'm Jared Morris, talking IU basketball with my co-hosts on the Assembly Call, Andy Bottoms and Zach McCright. Ryan Phillips has the week off. You can join us after every IU basketball game over at assemblycall.com and every Friday right here for Assembly Call Radio. All right, gentlemen, we tried a new segment out last time. That was headlines. We're trying a new one out here, and that is Q&A. So I put out a call earlier today for questions on Twitter. We got a bunch of them, and so we're going to go through and answer some of these questions. Uh, And if you guys like this segment, let us know, and we will do it again in the future. So the first question comes to us from Greg, and his question is, will Archie get a pass from the same fan base that ranted about the so-called creening that looks likely at this point. And, of course, what Greg is referencing is the fact that if all of the guys who currently are exploring the NBA uh, come back, Indiana is going to be oversigned. Uh, and so if that happens, you know, someone's going to have to go, and that, of course, is a process that drew the term creening because of, of that seeming to happen often in Tom Crean's tenure And I think, you know, Greg, I certainly think Archie will get a pass simply because he didn't put himself in this position. Archie is basically dealing with what Tom Crean's recruiting strategy was for this season, understanding that between OGN and Obi Thomas Bryant and James Blackman Jr., he was looking at three guys heading into the season who were likely to either go to the NBA or certainly test the waters, and he wanted to be protected. And so, you know, signed, obviously, three guys. And knew that if everybody decided to come back, there was going to be this issue. So, you know, this is not something Archie ever really dealt with at Dayton. He would sometimes leave a scholarship open, not overside. And so I think everybody will, will clearly give him a pass as he sorts it out this year. Uh, but I think if it becomes an issue where every year this is happening, you know, then someone will probably coin the term Archie Millering or something like that. Um, but given the fact that this he did not create this situation – I don't think anybody, I think everybody's just going to kind of watch and see what he decides to do and hope that he makes the best decision for the program. Uh, and I think that's all that will happen with that. Do you guys disagree with that? Do you think there could be any backlash on Archie for what happens with this? I, 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 I Go ahead, Andy. Yeah, I mean, I can't really see that at this point. I mean, I think, if anything, people have been very complimentary of his willingness to really reach out and treat both the players and the recruits is, you know, kind of like you said in the press conference, you know, these, you know, I didn't recruit you, but you're my guys now. And I mean, he really treated the incoming recruits that way. And I think, you know, from a loyalty perspective and and you see situations where particularly on the recruiting side, kids can kind of get left out in the cold when some of this stuff happens. I think he uh, obviously saw, uh, you know, skills in those players that he liked, but I also think, um, you know, probably scored himself some points as well by the way he handled um, those situations and, and try to honor IU's initial commitment to those kids in, in exchange for them honoring their commitment to IU. So I think that's a positive. And, and yeah, I think I, I would like to think people understand it's not a, 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 a situation of his own creation. Uh, and, and certainly his track record would suggest that's not something that he typically does and, and would, I would assume would not continue to do, uh, you know, moving forward at IU. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I just to add on, I think that, you know, this year, it shouldn't even count like, like both of you had said. So if we're going to take out this year and just talk about the years after that, um, yeah, I mean that, that, that cream, the creaning 
made me very, very mad. That's the, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that always upset me. Um, especially when these kids are locked in, I hate the NCA rules. You're locked in and, and the, but these coaches can go anywhere. It makes me crazy, but that's for another day. Um, if Archie did that, I would be mad. I don't think it doesn't sound like he ever does. Like you said, scholarships open. I'm not counting this year. I don't think anybody should. After that, I don't think he'll ever have the issue because he keeps scholarships open. I think the whole point's moved. I'd argue if he wanted to do it, he if somebody would be gone already. So uh, I think that speaks volumes as Good well. Point. I mean, yep. All right, moving on to our next question. This is from Jeff, who wants to know regarding Clifton Moore: Is there an IU or other player that his game resembles? So I tend to hyper focus on Indiana, so I can give kind of some comparisons there. The two guys that come to mind immediately for me, and neither one. Come on, a- say Greg Graham. No, say Greg Graham. No, it was, no, it's not. I really wanted you to. I really wanted you to bring it up when you guys were talking about some of the recruits, uh, either last week or the week prior. No, I was just. I was listening to it in my car, and I was like, "Man, I hope he says Greg Graham." Not, you really let me down. So here's not, your chance. To, here's your chance at redemption. It's not, no, it's not Greg Graham, but Robert Johnson. You need to come back so we have another year of Greg Graham comparisons. Redeem yourself and have that Greg Graham senior year. When, when he was one of the best guards in America. Um, okay, but getting back to Clifton Moore. So the two guys I would say, again, neither one is a perfect comparison, but Christian Watford and Jeff Newton. Um, Newton, for the fact you know that he's a little bit of a slender guy, does have a game you know, kind of going to the rim I and mean, can play facing the basket. Jeff Newton was excellent at driving to the basket and finishing and also had a nice mid-range game. Um, I don't know if Clifton Moore is the shot blocker that Jeff Newton was defensively because he was an elite shot blocker. Um, so that we'll have to see. But offensively, there's some similarities there. And then I think Watford for you know his ability to step out. And, and I think he's got a pretty release on his jump shot. And I think like Watford, you know, Watford wasn't always a real rugged guy and liked to kind of drift out on the perimeter more. But sometimes when he was properly motivated, played really tough defense and would, would drive in. So I think if, if Clifton can develop that, that would be really good for him. So those are the two guys, you know, that come to mind for me. Again, neither one perfect, but they kind of give you an idea, I think, of the, some of the higher-end potential uh, that Clifton Moore has. Zach, anybody come to mind for you with Clifton? Not really. I, I think, I, I think Watford's probably closer. I mean, I, I mean, I, I think the one thing that gets me kind of worried is I'm not sure I've seen very little of Clifton Moore, but do we, does he have the post presence, you know, you, and, and you kind of talked about that. It may, you know, how he's more of a know. face, the basket guy. Yeah. Yeah. And is that, is that something we like? I, I don't know. Maybe that's something IU fans like that. Maybe they don't. It's something you know, Tom Crean uh, liked. It'd be interesting yeah, to see oh, how much Archie sure. Miller likes it. You know, how much back to the basket do you like um, out of your post players? Um, so, yeah, I think I, I think it seems like he's a guy that might be a little less go straight to the rim and a little bit more of a finesse sort of guy. So I think you can probably choose from a lot of people. I like the Newton thing in terms of body stature. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think, I think you're on the right track and he's already bulked up a little bit. I mean, he's probably bigger now than Jeff Newton was when he entered IU as a freshman. And I mean, look, he's a six ten guy who can shoot out to the three point line. I mean, he's kind of tailor made for the modern version of, of basketball. So just because, you know, Archie Miller was used to playing with smaller guys at Dayton. Um, I think he'll, he'll, he'll know what to do with Clifton Moore, And I think be very excited about trying to fit him into a system because he's a unique guy with unique skills and it's going to be fun watching him develop at IU. Um, so let's take this question. This comes uh, in from Brian in our chat. And he says, what will be your first indication that the program has improved with Archie Miller? Has it happened already or will it be in season or both? Andy, what do you think about that? What will be the first sign that the program has improved? And have we already seen it? 
Uh, I mean, it, really, to me, it's how long it takes you to tweet out if you're just going to let him drive by you. I think if we can get through <laughs> a decent game, amount of game. Game, of game time without that. Um, I think you and I both had situations in the past where Twitter would do the thing where it tells you that you've already tweeted this. and like, I know. I know I have. <laughs> I always so, knew the game was going poorly when that happened. Yeah, yeah I get it. I understand. Um, yeah, I know Bo Borowski made another terrible call. Yes, I understand. It happens repeatedly. Um, no, I mean, I think, I, I th- quite honestly, I don't think it'll take long. I, I think, you know, the thing that I'll be looking for, um, both because it was an issue last year, but also because it, it's something that, you know, Miller has really been known for. It's just defensively. Like, what kind of defense this team plays? Are they, you, you know, fundamentally sound on that end of the floor? Do they clearly have a plan? Do you see guys in stances and things like that? I mean, to me, that'll be a pretty good early indication of, one, he's installed what he wants to do, and two, the guys are buying into it. So so that's kind of the maybe the tell for me. Um, I think we'll, you know, start to get signs of that during the off season. But again, I think everybody is going to eventually be at the point of like, okay, it all sounds great. Um, there have been lots of things that people have said over the course of time about this guy and that guy. And uh, it doesn't really mean a whole lot until you see it on the court. So for me, it probably won't be till in season, but that defensively will be one of the things I'm really looking for. I agree with that, especially defensively, but I will say already the inroads that Archie has made with the top in-state recruits. I mean, getting on the radar screen for Romeo and Keon Brooks, two of the, you know, I mean, two really high-level recruits, that's huge. And that, to me, already shows some important progress off the court. And again, we won't be able to see the progress on the court until November comes around. Zach, what do you think? Yeah, I'm kind of with Andy. I mean, I know the recruiting stuff is to be in the same ballpark with with those names is obviously good. But I mean, we're we're not going to know, um, you know, anything about what, who will commit and who won't commit, even if you're playing in the same uh, uh, pool, if you were with with some of those other big name pro- programs. So I'm definitely on the defense track. And I, to be honest with you, the fact that they hired a guy who seems to be pretty high on defense might've been enough for me. I mean, that's how, that's how low I think the defense was at Indiana. So maybe we have already hit the point. Are you trying to say it wasn't a priority? Are you, I mean, it it will be so refreshing. It will be so refreshing. The very first, and I don't care who it is. uh, Hopefully he schedules better than cream. It sounds like he's going to, but even if it is, uh, you know, South Northwestern state, to just have no straight line drives will be a huge, huge sigh of relief. That's it. That's it. That's how low the bar is for me. So when we have that, we're good to go. When we talked with Archie Miller's dad, uh, John Miller on podcast on the brink, I just, I love the part when, cause I asked him, you know, if you're watching a game and you don't, you know, you're not familiar with either of the teams, what do you look for to tell you if a team is well coached or not? And basically the two <laughs> things he said were that they don't give up a lot of easy baskets and they don't turn the ball over. <laughs> now, you know, did you laugh out loud? Please I mean, tell no, me but I just I kind of let it hang there for a minute because oh, I mean, awkward pause, awkward pause, always good. Yeah, I just <laughs> I thought that was telling. Um, so it's, it was like you just looked right into your soul, wasn't it? it just, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, I would have been like you said that on purpose, didn't you, John? Yes. you totally said that on purpose. Yep. You're listening to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottom and Zach McCrite answering the questions that you sent us via Twitter. Uh, let me cover this one really quick. Could redshirting solve our scholarship problem? I'm wondering if Priller or Galon could redshirt to bring us down to 13. Don't know the rules. 
guys, correct me if I'm wrong, but redshirting, that person is still on a scholarship, so they still count toward your 13. So that's not going to do yep. anything. One of those guys would actually have to go off of scholarship and pay their own way. And I think like Jordan Hulls was willing to do that, you know, like his senior year, possibly. Um, it's not something that you see happen very often. So no, redshirting would not be able to do it. Someone would have to go off of scholarship and pay their own way. Um, all right, so let's cover. This is going to have to be our last question, guys, but let's cover this one. Craig asks, what are reasonable expectations for Archie's first year? And then also assuming one of Blackman or Bryant returns. And for sake of argument, let's say that it's Blackman and not Bryant. Um, who starts? So, Zach, you take the first part because Andy already told us reasonable expectations. So what do you think are reasonable expectations? And then, Andy, give us your thoughts on a starting lineup uh, with Blackman returning and without Blackman returning. Well, let's assume that uh... – I mean, if it's just Blackman, obviously it'll be a little bit tougher. Um, but I'm I'm kind of of the ilk that even if you lost OG and even if you lost Bryant, okay, with the additions that Cream was bringing in, that kind of at least fill some of the void, regardless of how good they are talent uh, talent wise. Um, I and and you assume, which I think it's easy to assume, that you're going to be better just defensively just defensively in any regard, then why can't tournament, why can't just NCAA tournament be uh, enough? I mean, even if you're an, a nine seed or an eight seed or whatever, I think, I think that would hit my expectation. Of course we watched the first five games. Our expectations are going to change, but right now, and, and remember, let's remember this at the end of the season. Um, we're all good with tournament, right? I mean, we're all good with yeah. NCAA tournament. If he makes year. the tournament, I think everybody will be happy. We'll be fine. So I, I think I think that's a, a reasonable bar. That was a reasonable bar for Tom Crean with the with the uh, roster that he had. You're going to lose a couple of really good players. Okay, I mean you are. Um, and and if you if Archie Miller could get back there again or get back to the tournament with what I would assume would be just a smidge less of a uh, roster in terms of talent, that's you have met my expectation for sure. Yeah, I agree with you. I think most IU fans agree with you. At least the ones that I've talked to. So let's talk about lineup, Andy. What do you? Right. What does it look like to you? So the first first scenario you described was that Bryant went, but Blackman did not. Correct? Yes. All right. So I would assume at that point you would have and Johnson Day- and Robert Johnson comes back. I think we're right, assuming right, right. that. I yeah, I think that's a reasonable assumption. I I would say Deron Davis, Juwan Morgan, Colin Hartman, James Blackman Jr., and uh, Robert Johnson probably be the starters at that point. Now that might mean trying the Robert Johnson at point guard uh, again. But I think if that was made more clear, I think, you know, we talked about the whole role thing uh, over the course of this year. And I think if, if they both went, I would probably swap out Blackman for uh, I'm going to say Devonte green. And then you'd move Johnson off the ball a little bit more than what he, he would be. I think Devontae, over yeah, I think Newkirk would be a good a good bench guy. I, I just think yeah. Devontae, the way he's so focused on defense, and I think we saw glimpses of it last year. Like I think he he kind of strikes me as like a, an Archie Miller guy. And, and at that point, when you've got um, a, a guy who you really could start to build on, and you've got three years left with him, ideally, uh, if the difference isn't that much between him and Newkirk, to me, break the tie with the younger guy and let him uh, get the minutes and, and start yeah. that way. So and, that'd be, your, that'd be and, and I think what sometimes I, would do, I, guess. I think sometimes Tom Crean just really wanted to make certain guys happen. You know, like he got it in his head. Like I think Josh Newkirk was yeah. one of those guys. Like he really and Josh Newkirk did improve by the end of the year, but you know, obviously there were there Who's were some trying the times. Four in that uh in that first lineup with Blackman. 
Who's probably running? probably Juwan, I would say. Yeah. That would be that would be where I would go, ooh, you know, and, and maybe pray a little bit. But um but but I don't but I, don't <laughs> I mean you're gonna any, be you're gonna be a little undersized. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean with no yeah. Bryant, no OG, you are going to be a little undersized. I mean, so. Colin Harmon has experience playing center, so that's he does. a possibility. He does. Well, I, which that is... was what I was choosing between. Is it going to be Morgan or or maybe it's Hartman? I mean, yeah. I don't know. we, yeah, we got to see how healthy Hartman's knee is, too, before we start yeah. putting him down low, sure. guarding big guys. Yeah. So so we will see. All right. Well, Less movement. That might help. You never well, know. It's true. Well, thank you guys for your questions. We appreciate that. Uh, if you like that, let us know. Send us a tweet at Assembly Call. Uh, I like doing those mailbags, so we'll try and do more of that here on Assembly Call Radio and also try and do some regular mailbags uh, on the podcast as well. All right, guys, coming up in our final segment, we're going to take a look. We just talked about Colin Hartman. We're going to take a look at Colin Hartman, kind of break down what we expect from him next season. That's next on the final segment of Assembly Call Radio. Stick with us. You are listening to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here talking IU basketball with Andy Bottoms and Zach McCrite, wrapping up another episode of Assembly Call Radio. And guys, let's talk about Colin Hartman, who I think surprised a lot of people by deciding to come back uh, for his final season after sitting last year out, going through his senior ceremony. But Colin is coming back. And I think when you look at, uh, look, what we know he's going to bring, we know he's going to bring experience. You know, he's been through battles. He's played in all these road environments. He's had success, you know, being a leader on a Big Ten championship team. He's been put in tough positions, you know, having to play center as a sophomore. I mean, he's done a lot. And I think that maturity, that experience is going to help with Archie Miller's transition. We know we're going to get that from him. What we don't quite know is exactly what kind of player he's going to be simply because we don't know how well recovered he is from the injury. Will there be any lingering effects? How long will it take him to get back in rhythm? Maybe he steps right out and is vintage Colin Hartman doing Colin Hartman things all over the place. Uh, And maybe it takes him a while. So we don't know that, but either way, him deciding to come back is huge. And I think provides a nice steadying influence for a team that has some experience, but is still a young team and a new system with a new coach. So there's some moving pieces. So I think either way, you know, him being back as a net positive, And he's a guy who could find himself in the starting lineup, Andy, as you kind of alluded to in the last segment. Yeah, I think so. And when you look back a couple years ago, I mean, he wasn't playing, you know, major minutes anyway. So if he gets in that same 20-ish minutes a game, I think that's a a positive for IU. I think when you, you think about him defensively, as we talked about before, he was a guy a couple years ago uh, that we always would seem to call out, um, mostly because he stuck out on a team of guys that, tended to have no idea where anybody should be on defense, but he, you know, is a guy that I think will be able to flourish in, uh, in Miller's system defensively because he understands the communication and positioning and all those kinds of things. And, and in a pack line defense, you're really trying to force people to where the help is. And so that maybe can uh, help him a little bit if, if there are areas where he, you know, can't move quite as well as he could before. And uh, ideally the wrist injuries all healed up and he can step out and space the floor a little bit to, uh, to make threes. Cause I think there's, you know, going to be drives and, and wanting to play through the paint. Uh, and so, you know, he's a guy who could be the recipient of some of those shots on the outside, as we saw during his sophomore year and in portions uh, of his junior season. So I think a, a net positive, a guy who you could tell from the video they did on senior night uh, last year, the guys really respected and and, uh, and enjoyed playing with. And I think a kind of guy who doesn't need the ball, doesn't need to get a ton of shots. And that's something that tried to sort out last year of you know who's going to get shots he's not somebody who's going to demand the ball in situations but can uh, certainly come up with timely baskets and timely plays well and timely is a key point because look he's never a guy who's going to just stuff the stat sheet like crazy 
and get tons of rebounds and tons of assists. But the ones that he gets, he does seem to have a knack for getting them at the right time in a big moment. And, and especially from an experienced guy, that's what you need from him. Zach, how do you view the impact of Colin Hartman on next year's team? Well, obviously, I mean, assuming that I mean, we have to do a lot of assuming with him, obviously, coming off an injury. But assuming that he is uh, halfway healthy, he, you definitely spread the floor with him. And, and that will that would create a lot of opportunities offensively. I'll just throw out something a little bit extra on defense and just uh, taking a look at Kim Palm before we got started tonight. Um, you know, when he, in 2015, he ranked 13th in the conference in block percentage. I know. That's, I mean, that's, that's kind of insane for his size. Um, which again, just goes back to defense and we're just like, okay, please just be any modicum of good, on um, defense, but I think that might get lost in the shuffle a little bit, you know, especially for a team that's going to have to seemingly have to play small, especially if Tom and Br- Thomas Bryant doesn't return, um, you know, to just have a little bit more um, in your defensive holster, something that we don't talk about a whole lot with Colin Hartman. I know because his, because his shot kind of takes the reins there. Um, if, if you can get something like that from him again, knee God willing, um, I, I think you're going to get a lot, um, a, a lot of thumbs up from everyone. I love that he stayed, um, and I think that it's a good, it's a good cornerstone to kind of have a good foundation to have um, for uh, for Archie Miller. And like you guys said, the players love you know that are so they're so happy that he's back, or at least it seems that way. Um, they're going to respond to him for sure. That's I think that's kind of cool. Yep, and it's quite possible that we may have the first ever senior night wedding uh, this year because <laughs> what else? He's going to have to do something to top the proposal. So we'll uh, we'll have to see what he decides to do there. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that will do it for us on this week's episode of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live simulcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Or you can always subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com slash join to activate your free Assembly Call membership. Thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you next week. Until then... Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client.